So we've got two short readings um, from Matthew. Um, so the first is in Matthew chapter 6, um, starting at verse 16. So I'll give you a moment if you've brought a Bible or you're looking that up on your phone. Um, we're going to read Matthew 6, verses 16 to 18. And this is Jesus speaking. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And then the second um, section is from Matthew chapter 9. It's verses 14 and 15. So starting at verse 14. Then John's disciples came and asked him, that is Jesus, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them. The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast. Brilliant. Thank you, Chris. Uh, morning, everyone. Fasting. What do you think about fasting? I was chatting with a, a friend this week who has an online blog. And uh, he posted two articles recently. One of them was called The Christian Duty of Feasting. And the reaction to that article was, was overwhelmingly positive. You know, enjoying the good things God has given us, getting to, to eat lots of food. People loved it. Uh, they were liking it all over the place. There were, there were heart emojis heading his way. Um, people sending really thankful emails. Until that is, he posted the second article, which was called The Christian Duty of fasting. And, uh, well, the way he described the reaction to that was uh, he got two tepid likes and a bunch of people calling him a legalist. What do you think about fasting? I don't know, maybe, maybe you just think it's bizarre, uh, you know, choosing to go without food. Why would you do that? For, for spiritual reasons? What are those? Sounds a bit weird. Maybe you're suspicious of fasting, you know, abstaining from food, isn't that a bit legalistic, a bit religious? Or maybe you're a bit like me. Maybe fasting is just uncharted territory. Let me be honest, until a couple of weeks ago, I don't think I'd ever really thought much about fasting. Uh, we, we never talked about it in the church circles I've been in. I'd never read a book about it. Uh, it was just unknown for me probably helpful to know that as we go into this sermon together. But I imagine that's a case for lots of us, that we're just not sure what to make of fasting. And maybe like me, you've read this passage before in Matthew 6, and you've noticed Jesus doesn't say, if you fast, but when you fast, and you have a sneaking suspicion that Jesus seems to expect Christians to fast. Like before in verse 2, 
when you give to the needy. Or verse 5, when you pray. And likewise, verse 16, when you fast. Jesus assumes we'll do this stuff. And if you're anything like me, you're left feeling slightly guilty and also trying to find a way to wiggle out of it because we love food, food, glorious food. And fasting seems like a burden, not a blessing. But as I've reflected on the Bible's teaching, and like I've said before, uh, this, is, this is new ground for me, so we're on a journey together this morning. As I've reflected on the Bible's teaching, here's the big thing I've discovered. And if you remember only one thing from this morning, make it this. Christians fast because we long and live for a great feast. Christians fast because we long and live for a great feast. See, as I've explored fasting over the last while, it's really helped me to keep this in mind. Here's the thing to keep in mind. Christians are heading for a great feast. Maybe you know the Bible ends with with a feast. Did you know that food is actually a big deal through the whole Bible? Think about it. The Bible starts with Adam and Eve plunging the world into sin and death. How? By eating fruit from the tree that God tells them not to eat from. And then Jesus, when Jesus comes, he says, I'm the bread of life. If you want to live forever in this world of sin and death, then feed on me. Have faith in me. He even leaves us a meal to remember him by, bread and wine that are his body and blood given for us. And then at the end of the Bible is a feast. In fact, it's a wedding feast. Aren't wedding feasts great? You know, getting to be with the people you love, celebrating this beautiful moment. Well, that is a preview of the great wedding feast when Jesus returns to be with his bride, the church. He'll destroy sin and death and wipe every tear from our eyes. And we'll be with him forever, enjoying the happiest feast together. That's where Christians are heading, the great wedding feast. And if you're wondering, what does that have to do with fasting? Then uh, flick back to the second bit from the Bible Chris read for us in Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 and 15. This is a really, really important passage for understanding fasting. Verse 14, then John's disciples came to him, that's Jesus while he was on earth. How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? So John the Baptist's disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we fast lots, so do the Pharisees, but your disciples don't. why, Why is that? Well, listen to how Jesus replies. Jesus answered, how can the guest of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. Do we see what Jesus is saying? His disciples aren't fasting because he, the bridegroom, is with them. But that's going to change. The time is coming when Jesus will be taken, when he won't be around. And then Jesus says, they will fast. 
Or rather, he says, they will mourn. Christians will mourn when Jesus isn't around with us. And it might seem strange to us that Jesus puts together uh, fasting and mourning like he does. Uh, What's going on there? Well, in Jesus' culture, and I think in in a biblical worldview more generally, what you do with food says something. Food is almost symbolic, if you like. We have a little idea of this. Uh, You know, it's a bit like at school, when you go to sit with the the cool crowd for lunch, and they say to you, you can't sit with us. And you, you maybe sheepishly ask, well, why not? And they say, because if we ate with you, that would say that we're friends, and we're not, you're not cool. You know what I mean? Maybe that was just me. But, um, but, but you get the idea that what you do with food says something. And in the Bible, feasting is a fitting expression of joy. It says you're happy. And fasting is a fitting expression of, of mourning. It says that you're sad. And I just wonder if one reason we neglect fasting is because we've, we've lost that. You know, when you're sad, what does our culture tell you to do? Have some comfort food. Uh, Get out the ice cream. Uh, uh, Feast away your sorrows. Whereas the Bible would say, that's not what feasting is for. Feasting is for celebrating, not for medicating your painful emotions. It's fasting that expresses mourning. And while Jesus is away, there is much to mourn, much that whets our appetite, for the great feast. We mourn because life isn't the way it is. Uh, Friends and family who suffer and die, depression and dementia, jobs that disappear, a relationship that's out of reach, a global pandemic that's ravaging our world and taking lives. But instead of medicating our pain through comfort food, long, Long for the great feast to come, hunger for Christ's return. He promised us, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We mourn because life isn't the way it should be, and we mourn because we're not the way we should be. In the Bible, sometimes people fast because they've had some sad loss, but more often they fast because They've sinned against the Lord, and they're really sad about it. It grieves them. And I don't want us to get the wrong idea. It's it's not that we fast to punish ourselves and, and think that'll make us acceptable to God. No, Jesus has taken all the punishment that his people deserve. He makes us fully acceptable to God. But fasting is a way to show we are truly sorry that we are grieved, mourn our sin, and we long to change. There's a slightly silly story of a thief who, uh, who desperately longs to change his ways, uh, but he keeps stealing, and, and he hates it. And one day he goes to church, and uh, it's one of those traditional churches where, where the Ten Commandments are, are up on the wall. And he reads the command that says, you shall not steal and he's overjoyed. He says to himself, wow, what a promise. If I come here, I shall not steal. It's just what I've been looking for. Amazing. 
and well, he's, he's got the wrong end of the stick. But the wonderful truth is that when Christ returns, all God's commands really will become promises. I don't know which sins you feel keep setting you back, what you mourn over, how you long to change. But when we take our place at the feast, you shall not steal, you shall not envy, you shall not get angry, you shall not lust, you shall love God and others perfectly. Or listen to how Jesus puts it, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Keep hungering. And most of all, we mourn and hunger to feast with the bridegroom himself. I, I don't long for Jesus nearly as strongly as I should, but I read words like these from the psalmist, and they stir up something in me. God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. In your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. We long for Christ. And did you notice that the psalmist doesn't just long for God with his soul, but, but with their body as well? Isn't that striking? In lockdown, we've become more aware of our bodies. I don't just mean those extra pounds that, that we might have put on. We're more aware that our bodies matter. Uh, we long for, for handshakes and hugs. Uh, we felt the great difference between connecting with someone virtually and being with them in person, in body. And that chimes with what the Bible teaches. It says we're not just souls that happen to have bodies, as if the, the real me, the bit that matters, is on the inside, and, and my body is just extra. No, it says our, our bodies are central to who we are, that my body is the real me. And fasting is one way that plays out. Our bodies matter. And fasting is how we learn to long for God with our bodies. You know how it is, those hunger pangs, uh, the physical longing for food. Well, could that become a way that we learn to long for God with our bodies? Or if I can put it a different way, think about the Lord's Prayer. It's across the page, and we were looking at it last week. Maybe you remember the first half is all about longing for God's kingdom to come, which is another way of saying longing for the feast when Christ returns. I don't think it's an accident that Jesus' teaching on fasting comes right after. And when we say this prayer, when we say this prayer, we're praying with our words. When we fast, it's like we're praying with our bodies, hungering, longing for God's name to be hallowed, longing for the day when his kingdom will fully come, longing for his will to be done by us and around us on earth as in heaven. That's why Christians fast. We long for the future feast. If you, if you belong to Jesus, don't you long for it? Don't you wish for it? Fasting is how we physically hunger for Jesus' return. But here's the thing. Yes, we long for the future feast, 
But we still have to live today. You know, we still have all the needs that we face in living today for God's kingdom. So many needs. Maybe you remember that's what the second half of the Lord's Prayer is about. Uh, depending on our Father to give us what we need as we live for His kingdom. Our daily bread, forgiveness, delivering us from evil. And that is the other reason we fast. When we fast, we humbly depend on God to give us what we need as we live for his kingdom. Let me ask, what do you think is the number one reason why people won't get into God's kingdom? What's the number one reason you think why people won't get to enjoy the feast? Well, I think the answer is pride. Thinking, I can sort myself out. I don't need help. When Jesus says the kingdom of heaven belongs to the poor in spirit, the person who recognizes, I'm a mess. I really need help from God so much. See, the way forward in God's kingdom, it's not proud self-sufficiency. It's humble dependence. So if, like me, you drift towards pride and wanting to be self-sufficient, fasting could be really healthy for us. Because after a day or two or three of not eating, it's painfully obvious I'm not self-sufficient. Every hunger pang is a reminder I'm dependent. I can't live without help. And knowing my dependence on the Lord like that is a very healthy place to be, spiritually speaking. It's what you get through the Bible when people fast we're told they are humbling themselves and seeking the Lord. Sometimes they humble themselves because of their sin, but sometimes uh, they're just humbly saying to God, God, we really need your help. There's an army on the way, and we can't beat them. Or, or we've got this dangerous journey ahead of us. Or, or there's a famine, and we're starving. And Lord, we're depending on you to meet our needs. Fasting and praying. And that's not about twisting God's arm into giving us what we want, like a kind of spiritual hunger strike. No, there's nothing automatic about fasting. But at the same time, who knows what God could do? There's a really exciting example. Well, there are loads of exciting examples, but there's a really exciting example in the book of Acts. The church at Antioch are fasting and praying when the Holy Spirit guides them to, to send out Paul and Barnabas. And what happens well, they storm the Mediterranean for Christ. They break new ground for the gospel. Who knows what could happen as we humbly depend on our Father? So I've got another question uh, for you. Uh, as Rachel said, we've got the prayer meeting coming up this week. Well, what if tomorrow when you get the email about it, uh, there's a line in there that says, as well as coming to pray, please fast. Uh, please fast that day as we prepare to come and depend on the Lord. How would you feel? I, I don't think we are doing that, but, but if we did, how would you feel about it? Maybe you'd be up for it. And that could be a really good thing to do as we come to pray together. But maybe, maybe you wouldn't be. And I know there could be all sorts of reasons why. But knowing myself, is it possible for some of us we're reluctant to fast 
because we'd just rather indulge ourselves than humble ourselves. Paul talks about people whose God is their stomach. They've come to prefer food to God. They want the gift more than the giver. And, and don't misunderstand, it's, it's not that food is bad. Food is good. But my desire for food could get out of hand. And in a culture like ours, where, where there's an epidemic of overeating, could, could some of that rub off on us? Having said that, I'm also aware that for some of us will have a complicated relationship with food and uh, that might lean the other way, and I want to acknowledge that. But if we veer towards overindulgence, then fasting could be, re could be really helpful for us. When we fast, we're practicing self-control. We're starving our greed. And most of all, we're denying ourselves a good thing, food, to make sure we enjoy the best thing, God. Christians fast because we long and live for a great feast. Well, maybe that lands with you. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, I think I'd like to give fasting a go, but I just don't know where to start. Uh, that's where I was until recently. I, I didn't have a clue where to begin. And so let me share a few pointers uh, with us about how you might fast. And I should say, this is an area of great freedom. Uh, Christians have sometimes made lots of rules about when and how you have to fast, but the Bible doesn't do that, and we don't have to. At the same time, Jesus, as we've seen, does seem to expect us to fast. He doesn't command us to, but he does expect us to. And so here are just, just some, some practical tips that might help us. Three are from the Bible, and three uh, are from just looking around the place. Uh, pointer number one, don't fast like a hypocrite. That's Jesus' point here, isn't it? Uh, these people who, who make a big song and dance of their fasting, you know, it's, it's such hard work being this holy, gosh. Well, no, Jesus says don't be like that. We don't fast to be noticed by others. We fast before our Father, which I think means as long as our motives are okay, it is okay to talk to each other about fasting. That could be really helpful. And it is okay to fast together. Actually, in the Bible, most of the fasting God's people do is, is corporate, together. But check our motives. Don't fast like a hypocrite. Pointer number two, plan to pray. Uh, any spiritual discipline, the point of it is to enjoy God, to relate to Him. So plan to pray. Maybe, maybe bring into your fasting some, some of those Bible verses we've thought about already, about longing for God, hungering for Him. Point number three, consider others. God's Word also warns us about fasts where we uh, don't care properly for others, where, where someone's fasting, and all the while there are these people, they're meant to be loving, and they're ignoring their needs. Well, well, we're not to do that. We're to consider others. Um, <laughs> that might be as simple as considering the impact your fasting could have uh, on your family or, or your, your workmates. Uh, my friend I was chatting with this week, he put it this way. 
when I fast, it should be hard for me, but it shouldn't make life hard for the people around me. <laughs> it shouldn't make them miserable. So consider others. Uh, pointer number four, be safe. Be safe. Uh, drink lots of water. And it could just be that, uh, that fasting isn't safe for you. Um, maybe uh, maybe you're, you're uh, old, uh, elderly or, or pregnant or, or for whatever reason to do with food, it wouldn't be sensible for you to, to intentionally go without it. Uh, if in doubt, ask a doctor if it would be safe. But be safe. Point of number five, start small. Uh, maybe just miss breakfast one day and, and see what it's like uh, and, and pray a bit. Maybe work up to two meals and, and then try a day. Start small and, and see, see where it goes. And final tip, make it a habit. Make it a habit. Fasting isn't just this one-off thing that we do and, and never, never do again. Uh, it's a habit. Uh, one thing I've discovered, uh, another thing I've discovered this week is that uh, throughout church history, it's been traditional for Christians to fast on Fridays and feast on Sundays. I don't know what you think about that, but, uh, but the idea is that it echoes Good Friday and Easter Sunday, that we fast when we remember Jesus has left us, and we feast when we remember Jesus is risen and he'll return. Isn't that nice, that when you have your Sunday lunch, you're, uh, you're not just enjoying good food, you're celebrating that Christ is risen and will return. Maybe, maybe that's a habit to consider. But let's, uh, let's finish. Jesus is coming back. And when he does, he won't call for a fast. He'll call for the greatest feast ever. It'll be amazing. Every hunger fulfilled, every longing satisfied. And if we're trusting him, we'll enjoy it forever. So in the meantime, this week and beyond, let's long for the feast. Let's depend on our Father with all that we are, with our souls and with our bodies too. Well, uh, let, me, let me say a short prayer. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for what Jesus teaches us. And we pray you'd help us, uh, each of us in our own way, to consider his teaching. And Father, please, please lead us to long and depend on you. Thank you for the great feast that you set before your people. And please help us, Father, to long for it and depend on you, body and soul, this week. Amen.